Good morning, church. How many of you believe you're a child of God and you're excited about it? Raise your hand and wave at me. Aren't you good to be? Yeah, ain't it good to be in church? I hate going to churches where they're deader in a hammock. I'm telling you, when you sing a song like that that talks about God's made a place for you and me, how can you not get excited? I was thinking as they were singing that in John's gospel, he said, let not your hearts be troubled. This ain't even what I'm supposed to be doing. They're losing their minds up there right now. I've done this to them before. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to prepare a place for you, David. I'm coming again. We're going home someday. This ain't all there is. That ain't good grammar, but that's good preaching right there. I'm telling you. If you're a guest, we're so glad to have you. I'm Kent, and uh, we're going to start a new sermon today, sermon series. It's called Exponential Impact, and that's a phrase that you're hearing in church. Uh, but before we go any further, I want to just ask God's blessing on this time as we, as we share together. Pray with me, will you? Father, we're grateful for another day, and, and thank you, Lord, that we have the promises that, that uh, you've made to us, and, and we believe you, Lord. We trust you that this isn't all there is, and, and we're looking forward to a time when we are gathered there that you have a place prepared for us. But until then, Lord, you've given us a job and a responsibility to worship you and to share your message. And so, God, I pray today as I do this, you give me the gift of preaching, not for my glory, but for yours, and that people will be drawn closer to you and to your kingdom. So we ask all this in the precious, powerful name of Jesus, and everybody together said, amen. I, uh, I have two passions. One of them is, is music. And the other was riding motorcycles. And I have a degree in, in music. I don't know if some of you may not know that. And when I was studying music uh, uh, years ago, I learned about this guy, and he was a violinist, and his name was Fritz Kreifler. And he lived in the 1800s. He died in I mean, late 1800s. He died in 1962, and he was a world-renowned violinist. He was amazing. If you get a chance and you like classical music, go online. I know you wouldn't think that I'd probably be into that, but I, I really do listen to some of that. And he was amazing. The tone that he gets off of his violin and his playing is amazing. But he, uh, he was traveling around, and, and he, he became very successful. At 12 years old, he was an accomplished musician and, and recognized. And, and he would travel around his life, and he made lots of money. You know what he did with his money? He gave it away. He just gave his money away. And, and so one day, he, as he was going through uh, life and his journeys, he went into this store, and there was a violin in there. And he picked this violin up, and he played it, and it was amazing. Now, i got to tell you something. Um, if you're not a musician... You, you won't appreciate this as much, but whenever you pick up an instrument that's like really something, there's, it's just phenomenal. You know, I mean, it's just it's like you connect to it. Um, it's kind of like a hand tool is maybe something. I don't know what else I'll explain. Maybe it's like, uh, I don't know, a cooking utensil. I don't know how to explain this to you, but a, a saw, if you cut, you know, certain, a knife, certain things that you use. But anyway, so he found this violin, and it was just like, you know, there was this connection. And, and so he didn't have any money because he'd been so generous giving his money away. So he went back to work and playing and so forth. And when he got the money, he went back to the place where the violin was. And guess what? It was gone. And so he asked who, who got the violin, and the, and the uh, store owner gave him the name of the man, and the man was a collector. And so Fritz goes to his house. He knocks on the door, and he says, hey, you, uh, you bought this violin, and I was just wondering if you would sell it to me. And the guy said, oh, no, 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 man. He said, it's part of my collection. It's one that I have. And and this guy was just a collector. He didn't play. He said, I, but he said, it's one of, the, one of the best that I can spread them out. And I said, he said, well, if you won't let me buy it from you, he said, would you, uh, would you let me just play it one time before I leave? And he said, sure. So he went and got this violin. He brought it out. 
And Fritz played the violin, and when he did, it was amazing. And the gentleman that owned the violin was so deeply stirred that he said, I have no right to keep this to myself. He said, the world needs to hear this. It's yours, Mr. Pfeiffer. Take it into the world and let people hear it. You know, there are some things in life that are not meant to be kept to ourselves. Come on, church. Jesus Christ came to this world, lived, died, rose again, and ascended to heaven, and that message is not to be kept to ourselves. I want to talk to you today about exponential impact. It's a, it's a, ter- a term that's being used in church language, but basically what it means is that as Christians, we share the message, and the message goes on and on and on, and exponentially we see the church grow. I want to read a passage of Scripture to you today out of John's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 21, and I want you to, to pay attention to this. I want you to pay attention. Watch this verse as we read this. It's John 20, 21. Here it is. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. After he had said this, he breathed on the disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that? Whenever you forgive sins, they are forgiven. Whenever you don't forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is the Sunday after the resurrection. Jesus appears to his disciples on the Sunday evening. And these guys are behind a locked door. He comes in there. And you know what he did to them? He didn't say, okay, boys, it's over. We've preached the gospel. I've died. I rose again. And now it's over. No, that's not what he said. Here's what he said. I'm sending you. I'm sending you. And I'm sending you with a purpose. But here's the deal. I'm not sending you alone. I'm not sending you alone. He says, peace be with you. Now, I don't know about you, but those of you that have served in ministry, there's a lot of times when peace isn't with you, it doesn't seem. But there's a peace that passes understanding in serving Jesus. And he's telling these guys, peace be with you. Go on and spread the gospel. I'm sending you. Movements that transform the world are started by people who are led by God's Spirit. And today, I want you to know that you and I are part of God's, what God's been up to from the foundation of the world. And that's transforming the world by Christ, to be in relationship with him. We're involved in a movement called the ecclesia, is the translation of the word. And it's the church. It's the body of Christ. Yes, we meet in this place. But the church universal, as followers of Jesus, if you're a believer today, you're part of a bigger organization. And the benefits are out of this world. That'll sink in in a minute. The church is the body of Christ. It's a movement. And that's who you are as a Christian. For the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the topic of exponential impact of the church. The church has had an impact on the world since Jesus established it. When Jesus walked among men, who did he visit with? Was it rich people? Was it poor people? Was it those in between? Was it, who was it? It was everyone, wasn't it? And Jesus gave us that example to share the gospel message. And it changed lives. The early church started out Jesus, then there was 12, and then it expanded. I want you to run this video for me. Show this video. Watch this. This is kind of how Christianity has spread. Look, the time frame is up there in the top. The early church started with a small group of people, but it began to spread and expand. And you know, as you look at this, it's kind of amazing as you think, goodness gracious, it went to the ends of the earth at the time. But look at all that, how it's moving and how it's going and how the time is changing. They did all this, and you think there was any persecution going on? Do you think there were any Monday mornings when they woke up and they didn't feel like talking about the gospel? 
You think there were times when they had to hide their Bibles, perhaps? You think there was times when there was a revival that broke out? There was good, there was bad, but as this thing spread, look at we're up to 1,000 now. It continues to grow. You see times where things kind of change, looks like maybe there was something going on. Kingdoms were coming and going. Leaders were coming and going. Time was passing. But that church that Jesus established expanded. Look as it goes across the continent. It's phenomenal, isn't it? That you watch this and you think, how did they do that? Well, you know, as you think about this, Jesus said that they would go to the ends of the earth. He instructed them to do that. And they took that message seriously as they went forward. It came over to our continent. Look how it's traveling. And it brings us right up to the time that we're involved in now. But here's the thing. The story's not over. The message is still the same. Go into the world and preach the gospel and share. When Jesus gave them the directive, he took it serious. And they took it serious. And we should take it serious. Amen? Exponential impact is is things that we shouldn't keep to ourselves, but that we should be sharing. We know that these guys faced opposition. We know that the church didn't face this without opposition, but we know that God was with them. And today, as we go forward as a church, in our own personal lives, as Shanna opened her heart and transparency here about things that are going on in her life, we don't face it without opposition, but God is with us, and we're not facing it alone. There's another passage of Scripture that's all too familiar to us. It's in Matthew 28, it's 16 through 20. I want to read this to you because this is what Jesus said to them in another place. He says, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee going to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority. That's who we're serving. That's who's sending you and me is the one that's been given all authority. Let that soak in for a minute. Therefore, say it with me, go. And make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, he doesn't stop there. He says, go on. He says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this. Be sure of this. Be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so as he sent these folks, and as he sends us, I want to remind you today that you're not alone. And that Holy Spirit lives in you as a follower of Christ. We call this the Great Commission. Jesus didn't call it the Great Commission. I got to thinking about that as I was studying this. You know where the Great Commission come from, that term, that phrase, that name that we put on it? Well, I looked it up. It came about in the 1600s when revivals were breaking out as we were watching that map. And they were taking it seriously. And God said to them, go into all the world. The Greek verb here is present. And it says, while you are going share the gospel. Anybody here not going anywhere? I bought a car in December and it's got 9,000 or 10,000 miles on it. Seems like all I do is go. Isn't that the truth? I mean, you all feel like we're just going. But everywhere we go, there's people. And you and I are commissioned as Christians to share this message. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. Jerusalem, through Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Burlington, Boone County, Cincinnati, all over the world. You know when we take up these offerings, do you know a portion of that offering, that money that you give, goes to world missions? Do you know that you're touching people all over the world when you contribute to these things? That's what these folks did. They, tra- they gave what they had, their resources, their talents. You look at this and you say, well, Kent, 
you don't understand, man, I got so much stuff going on in my life, it's hard enough just for me to keep up. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, you can give your life to the Lord and let him lead us. I'm the poster child for that today. God wants to help us. When I was a little boy, I would go to do something, and I'd say, I can't do this. You know what my daddy would say? He'd come up to me and say, now listen to me, son. He'd get down on my level, and he'd turn around and say, listen to me, son. You can do this. You got this. You can do this. You know how it made me feel when my daddy said to me, you can do this? I want to tell you something. Your heavenly father, your heavenly daddy is telling you and I today, you can do this. I believe those bones are still with us as we keep working. You will receive power is what he said. You will have the strength to make a way. And you will achieve what I want you to achieve. He wants us all in. How many of you are good in math? Anybody here good in math? Yeah, I know David is. David tells me all these formulas and stuff. Well, I, they say musicians are supposed to be good at math, but I, neither are not really a musician, but I'm not very good at math. But I got to studying about this exponential impact situation. And I, read, I found a story. I, I found a story about how this kind of all started. It's, it's about numbers and it's sequences. Now listen real close to me. Anybody ever heard of Leonardo Fibonacci? Okay, all you math majors. Well, they didn't teach about him in the music department where I went. Leonardo, not Leonardo DiCaprio, Leonardo Fibonacci. He lived in the 1200s, and he was a mathematician. And they uh, gave him a project. They wanted him to uh, come up with some idea about sequential uh, numbers, numbers in sequence. And so they asked him to figure this problem out. If you put a pair of rabbits in a room, and every month that pair of rabbits produced another pair of rabbits within a month, each new pair of rabbits produced, and so on and so forth at the end of the month, at the end of a year, how many rabbits would you have? So he went and worked on this thing, and here's what he came up with. In one year, if one pair of rabbits produced 233 pair of rabbits, you'd have 466 rabbits. Two years, 75,000 pairs of rabbits. Two years, 75,000 pairs of rabbits, 150,000 rabbits. And after only six months more, two and a half years, one pair of rabbits uh, would become two and a half million rabbits. What is the preacher talking about rabbits for? I'm talking about exponential impact is what I'm talking about. I want you to think about this. There's probably, probably today there will probably be six or seven, eight hundred people go through here. If every person that went through this church this next week invited somebody and shared the gospel message with somebody and they invited them and they came, you know how many people we'd have next, next week? 1,600, right? There's 800, 1,600, right? I'm going to take my shoe off now after I get to the next level. But here's the point. There's a principle involved in this, and Jesus taught this principle of sharing this message. And that's why we can look at a map like that and see how it went from one person to the whole world and how it continues to go today. And that message is the same for you and I today. If ever there was a time that the message of the gospel needed to be shared, it's today. Listen to some of these numbers. I want you to listen to this. When I, when I started reading this six months ago, it, it knocked me down. 20% of Americans, fewer than 20% of Americans attend church today. Fewer than 20%. 22% of people in America, only 22% have a positive view about church in America. 43,000 Americans are leaving church for good every week. 100 years ago, there were 28 churches for every 10,000 Americans. 
Today, there's 11 churches planted here in Jackson. I read this past week, I was reading one of the books, and I read this book, and it said 900 Southern Baptist churches are closing every year. Wow. What's going on? What's going on? Let me tell you something. The church is not dying. Churches may be closing, but the church is not dying. Jesus said the gates of hell will not stop the church. We as people of God and people who are focused upon Jesus have to share this message. We have to take it into the world. Here's something that staggered me. This is the most staggering one for me. In the year 2010 to 2012, more than half of the churches didn't add one new member in a church. See, we have a purpose. The purpose of the church is to share the message of Christ. Now, I want you to think about this. And that's all of our job. Each one of us are called. That's what he did. He called us to share the message of the gospel. The church isn't dying. The church is going through a transition. That's what's happening. We saw, we saw this as it, it's happened before. But I want to tell you something. We're going to win. I've read the book. And there's good news. We win. So how do we do this? He told us to go, go out into the world and share the gospel. How do we do that? You say, Ken, I don't, I don't know the scriptures like, you know, I can't quote. Listen to me. Share what he's done in your life. I have a story that happened. I have a couple, actually. One of the members of our church lives in a neighborhood. This is how it works right here. Listen to me. This is how it works. She lives in a neighborhood, her and her husband. And they had just moved in. They were new themselves. And somebody moved in behind them or next door to them, I think is how it went. But they met their neighbor for the first time. They began to talk about Jesus to the neighbor. And the next thing you know, the friendships developed. And the next thing you know, one of them says, hey, why don't you come up and visit our church? What kind of church is it? It's a Baptist church. You know, kind of hugging it like that. But they came anyway, right? And I'm going to tell you something. That family, all of that family is in this church this morning. And I got to baptize that woman in the coldest water you've ever seen in your life up here. She accepted Jesus. That's how it works. Amen? That's how the message works. Yeah, I'm a preacher. Yeah, I preach the gospel. But you know what? You're a minister also. And God's called you to share the gospel. One afternoon, we left here at 5 o'clock. The staff pulled out at 5 o'clock, a little after whatever. We were staggering out of here, you know, at a different time. And I left, and as I pulled out, there was a, there was a young man sitting on a curb over in front of the, the, uh, the blue building. And, you know, there's people around here at different times of the day, and here I am. I just got in the car, was on my hamster wheel. I'm going home. I drove right by that young man. Thank God Kevin didn't. He went over and talked to the young man. Turns out the young man was in the area from out of state. He had been a Christian. Next thing you know, right in the moment right there, Holy Spirit moved in. Kevin talked to this kid. He rededicated his life. He prayed over him, and he's discipling him now. That's how it works. That's exponential impact. Do you win every time? Lord, no. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says one plants, one waters, one sows, but God gives the increase. And it's our responsibility to do those things. I've got a family member. I've been praying 42 years now. I'm praying. I'm not giving up. I'm praying somebody else will come in from the other side and surprise attack them. You know what I mean? Not attack him, but share the gospel. God's called us to share this message. And that's how the exponential gospel works. And it's what he set up. 30 years ago, 
And you never know who you're touching. This is the part I want you to realize. You never know who you're touching. 30 years ago, uh, 34, 35, I don't know exactly, but it was over 30. I was in college, Diane and I were in college, and I was on a scholarship, and I would go to churches and preach, and we would play music, and I would preach, and, and then I would do the Sunday morning service. And, and we went to this church, and we were recruiting young people to come to our college as well. We'd set a table up, and we'd have you know, these little cards up here. I just want to show you how, how you never know who you're going to touch. This is not for my glory. This is God's glory, okay? I just want to show you this. This young man came up to the table. He said, Ken, he said, uh, I want to go to your school. I want to go to the college that you guys are in. I want to sing in this group. And I said, man, that's awesome. I said, fill this card out. You know, you have a little card. Fill the card out. Put it on file. You come up next week. We have auditions. And I said, uh, and you try out for the group. And, and, and there you go. And that's when you do it. That was my senior year, so I graduated. I remembered his name briefly, but I soon remembered his name pretty well because what happened was he came to our college. And as a result, he connected with somebody at our college, and he went on to sing with the most popular gospel quartet in the country. The next thing I know, he's got his own gospel quartet. I go to the quartet convention. I walk up to him, and I said, how you doing? He goes, I'm good. Do I know you? I said, well, you know, I've gained a little, lost some. And I told him who I was, and he went, oh, my goodness. He said, you brought that group into my church. I filled that card out. I went to school, and God opened the door for me, and I've had the opportunity to sing and share the gospel all over. I'm getting goosebumps about that. Had no idea. Had no idea. Sometimes God will use us in spite of ourselves, amen? But we have to be willing to do that. And we see this in the church. We see example after example of exponential things because God has a dream for us and for the people of this world. There's hope. And God's dream is that ever since the first human being turned his back on him in the garden, he wants everyone to find their own way. And I don't know why he set it up this way. I I don't understand that. But he set it up where he's using you and I to share the gospel. Because there's people that you'll come in contact with that I'll never meet. There's people that I'll come in contact with. And then there's people that God just speaks to. But we have to do our part. As Christ followers, we shouldn't just want to make a difference. We should want to make the world different. And we see where it's happened in in stages of history. Jesus did make a difference. You know how he made a difference? Not by beating them over the head. Not by pushing religion down their throat. He didn't beat them up. You know how he made the difference? He loved them. He loved them. He shared with them. He cared about them. He reached out to people when they were hurting. Christ followers, disciples, they make a difference. In the book of Christianity, the rise of Christianity, it's a book that's written by Rodney Stark. He documented how a city, the cities in the Roman Empire were characterized, listen, by open sewers, rampant crime, and epidemic illness and plague. Life expectancy was less than 30 years. But instead of fleeing the suffering cities of the Roman Empire, the early church found its niche there. Where's your niche? Where's my niche? He goes on to say that Christianity revitalized life in the Greco-Roman cities. The cities were filled with homeless and impoverished people. Christianity offered clarity as well as hope. We're agents of hope. In addition to that, the cities filled with newcomers and strangers. Christianity offered an immediate basis for attachment. Me and the community. Cities filled with orphans and widows. Christianity provided a new, expanded sense of family. That's the church when it's hitting on all cylinders. That's what it does. 
The city is torn by violence and ethnic strife. Christianity offered a new basis for social settlement. The result of the early church was that within three centuries, more than half of the Roman Empire were disciples of Jesus. They didn't just make a difference, folks. They made the world different that they lived in. You remember what Jesus said to them? He said, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. You will be my witnesses to all the world. You. And I believe that's the universal principle that we were talking about. And I can guess that some of you are sitting here today, just like I was when I started thinking about this, thinking, you know, man, uh, it's difficult. I mean, I got struggles of my own, man. I'm dealing with things in my own life. But listen, to make the world a better place, we, we have to rely on Jesus. It's not in our power. It's in him. There's a story, there's a guy in the New Testament, a man that Jesus took and used him. It's a great example. He's one of my favorite characters in the New Testament. And I think I relate to him because he's just like a roller coaster. One minute he's on fire for Jesus, next minute he's ready to fight somebody. You ever see anybody like that in the church? Man, they're zealous and they're all praising God and all this, and the next minute they got their sword out ready to cut somebody's ear off. You know who I'm talking about in the New Testament? His name is Peter. We're going to read this passage of Scripture. Look at this, Matthew 16. It says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, remember that, he asked his disciple, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say you're John the Baptist, and some say you're Elijah, others say you're Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter. Watch this. I say that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Wow. Is that the same guy? Is that the same guy that was standing around the fire that night and he said, I'll never deny him. You know him? No, I've never seen him before in my life. That's the guy. That's the guy. That's the same guy Jesus is saying to him, Peter, I'm going to build a church. And all through history, you know, I'm not sure that we've ever got this right because different denominations have this all kind of different interpretation. But here's what I take from it, and I think that history kind of plays it out and shows you. He's telling him, Peter, you're a mess. But I'm going to tell you what, because you trust me and you give your life to me, I'm going to change the world through people just like you, Peter. The church, the church. And the gate of hell will not stop it. Remember the map as it went forward? There were a lot of things. There were a lot of oppositions. But the gates of hell couldn't stop it. There's a meaning to this thing about the gates of hell. Did you know that? Caesarea Philippi was a city that was absolutely unbelievable. It was a pagan capital. Drunken party, pagan things going on, rituals. It was awful. And there was a cave nearby this city. There was a cave there, and in this cave, they believed literally that that was the opening to the underworld and that that was the gate of hell. And so when he says this to Peter, it's got more resonating with him than it does with us because he's thinking right down the road is the place where everybody thinks you go to the underworld, and the get, that's not going to win. Jesus, using people, will overcome the world. Peter. So when next time you think in your heart, that you can't do something if God's for you, who can be against you? He used Peter. Look at him. Look at how he went out and preached the gospel and the world was changed. 
And when it came up to the end, legend has it that when he died, they crucified him. And he said, crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to die like my Lord. That's the God. That's what God can do. And he wants to do that through you and through me and through this movement called the church. And we will see exponential impact in today's church. Yes. Yes, local churches, many of them are in a bad place. Yes, there's a lot of things going on in the world. Yes, it seems like that there's no end. But yes, we have a Savior that's on the throne. And the kingdom of God will go forward. And he's calling you and he's calling me to be his church. And when we do that, his people will follow. I want you to remember the church is not dying, it's alive. It's alive and well. And you know what? It's been so good to us here in this church. It's been so good to us in this church. And the church will go on till Jesus comes. And it's our responsibility to, to go while we're going to help make disciples, to teach and to share the message of the cross. I'm grateful to be a part of a church that has a vision like that. This morning, we had three things going on. Our praise team, part of them, loaded up and went to another church that's having a tough time hour and a half away, this church is having a tough time, and we're going to help them the best we can. And our praise team leaders went down there this morning to lead worship in their church and to encourage them. We have two vans or three vehicles out there that loaded up with little children that's heading to a church camp and volunteers from our church sending them out. Why? To teach them about Jesus. <laughs> My granddaughter got on that bus, <laughs> and she said, that was That's real church. We had another group out there this morning as I pulled in the teenagers. Man, they were all jacked up. They were carrying on, and Jeff was right in the middle of that circle. I'm thinking, whoo, I'm glad that's him and not me. <laughs> he loaded up your children, the teenagers, to go to another place over in the Carolinas, I believe it is, to do some mission work and to, to serve. That's the church. That's what he's called us to do. Yes, there are things in this life that will set us back. That's when we need the church. That's when we need each other. That's when I need you. That's when you need me. We're to encourage one another. The gospel message is to be shared with everyone. Not just people that talk like us, look like us, act like us. It's to be shared with the whole world. Somebody say amen. It's a universal message and a universal gospel, and it's to be shared. God's dream for us is to share that message. As Christ followers, we shouldn't just want to make a difference. We should want to make the world a different place. And here's what I want to tell you. You're going to hear this until you're sick, and I hope you start repeating this now. Because this is the vision I have for the church. Don't just go to church. Go be the church. Amen? Let's pray with me. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your scripture and for the truth that it speaks to us, Lord, in a world that seems... Just like every day, something else. But in that, God, we know that you will work. We've seen the map of how you've worked through history. We've read the book, and we know how it comes out, God. Thank you. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of that. And so, Lord, I pray your blessings upon our church and upon our church family. I ask you, God, to bless us that we could do what it is that you want to accomplish here today and on this hill in the future and months and years ahead. Pray, God, that if you're stirring in a heart today of someone that's not sure whether they believe in you or not, that, God, you will speak to them and that they would believe. And I pray that in Jesus' name.
We love you, Lord, and we thank you. Thank you for what you've done for us and how you gave your son Jesus to die on the cross. The greatest story ever told. More precious than a violin is to be shared with the world. So, God, we ask you to give us the grace and the courage.